And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Hey, let's begin a Tuesday, kids. Gary, how are you? I'm doing really good, enjoying myself. Well, uh, I guess I'll say I'm entertaining myself here. Of course, just going through different audio cuts, you know, and things like uh, that. Let me just pick one out randomly. Okay. Okay, maybe lying there. Yeah. <laughs> this may not be random. Is that Here, the one you played over and over and over during the pre-show meeting? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm going to... I, I dare to criticize her laugh with my laugh. All right, here we yeah. go. Here we go. In fact, I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's... Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. <laughs> I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. <laughs> By the way, she's lying. She never did that. Yeah, that never happened. That never and, happened. and number two, uh, we've got almost two more years of that, at least. Well, she did talk about water. She got off triangles and she got onto water. Uh-huh. All right, you ready? Okay. All right, here we go. So, you know, water policy can go in all these different... It, it flows in different directions. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about water, I... God. <laughs> oh, she's like, yeah. she's like dealing with a child. Who Seriously. knew there was so much material out there that countless legendary stand-up comedians were missing out on? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> she's I, so bad. I mean, she's well, so bad. You know, at first it came off as a nervous laughter. Now I don't know what the hell it is. I know. I have no idea. I honestly can't tell you. It's just weird. <laughs> it is weird because if you're sitting in that audience you're you're like you're smiling and then you're looking at whoever you're with going what what did i miss 
What was that? You know, it's funny that she starts, you know, talking about a conservative and things like that. And I started thinking of, you know, there's some profanity in it, so I can't play it. But uh, the, uh, you know, Russell Brand, you saw some of the yeah. audio there when he was on. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, you know, he's, to me, he's trying to play the, the the entire point that the left and the right are both bad. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and he, he, he was, uh, and he was on with somebody from MSNBC, and and the right looked at it and said, "See, he pounded this guy from MSNBC about how bad they are too." But he also was saying basically Fox News is the same as MSNBC, and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not. Right. I mean, do they have do they have political uh, 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 do they have um, Political hosts, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do they have partisan hosts? Absolutely. But you take a look at MSNBC, and you don't have a Brett Bear on MSNBC. No, you don't. Not even close. No, you don't. You just it doesn't. It doesn't exist. You look. I mean, they are as radical as you can be. Now, Fox does, and this goes back. Fox does have problems. You know, we talked about this yesterday with, you know, Tucker Carlson. Uh, you know, being given. I did see yesterday the first opportunity to look at the uh, the the video. I mm-hmm. did see that in there, mm-hmm. which is the video of January six, which is mm-hmm. which is actually a good thing because every everybody needs to to get this and and uh, and and dissect it. And last night, you know, I I saw it. You know, the the video of what he did, and I understand exactly what he's doing. They're trying to pick apart the things that the Democrats lied about and show it on video, right? And it's true. But there was a riot there. Mm-hmm. And you're, as we said from the very beginning, you can't win on that imagery. We said that day one. You cannot win on that imagery. That imagery still exists. You can find parts of the, the, uh, the, the tape where you say, okay, see, this is all peaceful here. You can't take away from the imagery of the people that were rioting. And right. you can find right. people that weren't rioting. You could find people that did not want to commit acts of destruction as he is 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 doing and you may be able to look at particular instances like uh, what's his name uh and shaman whatever and and about you know what as, as he was showing yesterday being escorted and uh you know by the uh the 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 capital police uh and i saw miranda divine i believe on on i don't know was it on tucker uh where she said and you know he didn't do anything he just he just walked through he admitted he walked through a, a broken glass door mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. at that particular point you know at that point you know, you may be putting yourself, and believe me, I would have never gone in there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, not, I, I would have never, I would have never gone in the Capitol. It just it, the first thing I might. This isn't this isn't open hours. This is you know, and and I, you would know that there was a riot going on for the yeah. most part. You could, right. you know, it was it was around. It was you know, it was pretty you know crushing. Now there were a lot of lies that they said. First off, it wasn't an insurrection. Number two, and as Tucker Carlson brought up, you know, you had, um, uh, you know, you had uh, uh, Democrats blaming, you know, certain. Uh, I think it was Josh Hawley. You know, they they were, you know, they they were talking about him a little bit, and you know that uh, he was trying to stay away from it. Well, he was one of the last few that the Capitol Police escorted out of there. So there are so many lies that the Democrats told about it. But just getting back to the the original thought here, uh, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity. Uh, Laura Ingram, they've got a problem. And, you know, they may be able to solve the problem and their company won't let them, but they all got caught saying one thing behind the scenes in texts and different things on the air. Mm-hmm. You can't get caught doing that. You know, right. we said this a long yeah. time ago. 
conservatives don't have to lie. But it's interesting that, you know, they they try to portray that the right media is exactly the same as the left media. And you can go into debates with, you know, certain hosts or do that. What Russell Brand doesn't talk about is the conservative ideology versus liberalism and where liberalism stands today and where the conservative mindset is. And that's one thing that he failed to do. They try to simplify it as, you know, almost like, I'm above it. There's the left, there's the right. I'm above it. Well, and that the only thing that's happening is that opinion is a part of it. Well, see, it's bad over here because they have opinion. It's bad over here because they have opinion. No, get down to the facts. Right, and then one of the first things he said was, Snowden was a hero. Snowden wasn't a hero. No. So it was interesting that he'd used that as the thing for MSNBC or even Fox that nobody said Snowden was a hero. Snowden wasn't a hero. There were other options for him to go and 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 uh, and and to be a, a proper whistleblower that he did not do. Yep. It's on several occasions. Right. And he made it clear his only goal was to, you know, was to give, you know, let these top secrets out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, so, uh, again, you could look at it and say, well, did some good come from what he did? Did we find out things we didn't know? Yes. Could it have been done in a different way? Absolutely. We still could have. Were his uh, motivations correct? No. We could have gotten that information through the proper channels. Yeah. And with but, the proper process had been followed, then it would have been a uh, all the way around, in fact. And Snowden yeah. likely wouldn't be in hiding today. And so uh, when when you, I just I just had to make that point because you know it, it's uh, this whole thing that well the right and left are exactly the same you know and that's that's sort of the populist thing that exists out there you know that I'm above it there's mm-hmm. a right there's a left and I'm above it mm-hmm. I am the arbiter of truth mm-hmm. and I said well I'm a conservative slash libertarian there's nothing wrong with conservative values at all and or libertarian values at all. There's nothing immoral about it. Liberalism, where it exists today, is completely and totally immoral. How do you know? They have to lie about everything. Well, and and again, the difference is, is where is the truth? What are they saying on the left in terms of their opinion when they issue opinion? Which, by the way, is a, it's not opinion on the left. It's activism. Are they telling the truth? And I I would say the same for Fox News. If they're putting on something and they're not being truthful about it, they're in trouble. But if they're if if the criticism is, well, they're both opinionated, so they're both bad. That's not no, you have actually the basis. The basis is whether or not the information that they're putting out there is truthful or not. Right. Look, when we when when um. Discovery came in to take over Warner Brothers, and they were moving on CNN, and, and John Malone came in, and he was saying, and he's part of you know uh, the Discovery Group, um, and he, he said that CNN needs to get back to doing news. And we said, okay, but I don't know if there's an audience. The, we, we both said it. We don't know if there's an audience for that these days. It's not a problem for them to have opinions the question is, are they going to be activists? Are they going to tell the truth? 
if they're going to if you want to have opinionated shows on the channel that's probably what people are going to be drawn to but you're going to have to present your facts with your opinion well like i said there's a you know they they have a you know Sean has a problem, Tucker has a problem, Laura Ingram has a problem. Now, they may have the answer to that problem and the company won't let them talk, Mm -hmm. but they've got a problem Mm -hmm. because the text said one thing. And by the way, you know, Turley, Jonathan Turley, for example, has, you could tell yesterday in his, his pieces, he's turned on, uh, he's, he's turned on Fauci. Why? Mm -hmm. The text messages, Mm -hmm. the text messages versus what he's, that's when you start getting down to evidence, which is the problem, for example, with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. You've got the text messages there, but that's just a one problem. But when you look at Fox as a whole, they've got tremendous anchors, and they've got, uh, you know, I look at uh, Brett uh, Brett Bear, Brett Hume. I, I look at uh, Mark Levin. Mark is extremely, we all know, Mark is extremely opinionated, mm-hmm. just like we are. I don't know Mark has ever defended something that he knows is an obvious lie. Right. And when you look at liberalism, not to say that the right people don't get caught up in misinformation. We've made mistakes. Some stories come across and we correct it as soon as possible because we don't see any reason to be promoting or giving an opinion on something that's false. It's well, ridiculous, no, which no. is one of the reasons when when uh, court cases come up mm-hmm. and everybody's got an opinion. It's like, what do you guys think? Don't know. Don't have the facts. I've got no problem saying I don't know. I'm not embarrassed by saying I'm not going to be the first with an opinion that may be right or could be wrong because I lack the facts in front of me. That's yeah. just dumb. Right. It's, it, you don't you don't accomplish anything by that. Right. I don't need to be Nancy Grace. There's already a Nancy Grace. Yeah. It's a. To, <laughs> I just love it when she squints her face. Though. It's like yeah. <laughs> This man is a murderer. <laughs> you know, it's very tough to do it in many of these many of these cases. And, you know, we love to have, and the media loves to be the first. We're mm. first with the story. Oh, okay. Two weeks later. We were wrong, but we were first. Yeah, we were We were first. Remember that? Remember yeah. that part? No interest in, in, in no. doing that. But if no. you look at MSNBC, you tell me where their credibility is on any of the hosts. Any of the no. hosts getting worse yeah. by the day yeah. so you can't you know to sit there and look at it yeah, fox is a problem but long term long term if you look at the lies of well in general the lies of the left if you look at that just to begin with the right media doesn't have to lie as much because the left media has to defend the democratic party that on every major issue can't tell you the truth mm-hmm. and you gotta lie well, I'm not left or right. That's why I'm in the middle, and that's why every morning I watch Don Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> He's not left or right. He's just Don. That opinion is too hard. That opinion is too soft. This opinion is just right. I am in the mushy middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this uh it's it, that's a fairy tale. The mushy you, middle. <laughs> you you have an opinion and you have strong opinions. You don't have to say what your opinions are, but if you want to jump in, in the arena uh and if you're going to go to battle, you can't be the one wearing the striped shirt. 
Wait, but but the funny thing is, every time somebody says that, then you ask them a question, and then somebody starts screaming at them. What do you mean? <laughs> as soon as you have an opinion, you end up being the right or left. Well, it's it's like they believe that that people tune in, you know, to to uh, you know they or or they buy uh, ringside tickets to to watch the referee. No, you it's one side or the other. Pick a side. I don't care which side it is. But but if you're not willing to go to battle, then go do something else. You know, that's the problem is that too many people don't want to jump in because they're afraid to issue their real opinion. Yeah. They're afraid of what it will mean to them. There are plenty of people in Hollywood that don't get any work anymore because they've issued their opinion. And I'd say Russell Brand is, I, I don't know what kind of work he's getting these days. But look, once you're not in lockstep with the far left, you're likely going to run out of phone calls. Yeah, look, I I like the change in him. No, I, I, I like the change. I like some of the things I, I like, he said. I like the change from where he was to mm-hmm. where he is today. Mm-hmm. I can still be critical, but mm-hmm. I like the I like the change in Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. He's going in the right direction. Those are the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. When, when you sit there and you promote conservative and libertarian values, and then you see that people that have been on the far left start picking up and recognizing what's going on. You know, Bill Maher. <laughs> but he does make a good case. He says, I didn't change. They changed. And it's true. Except for the fact that Bill Maher did promote identity politics until it got untenable and you just couldn't do it anymore right. you had to have seen this yeah. going that direction right and by the way the, the way that he kind of walked uh and and i and if you go back and and watch it you know that he's walking bernie into that when he says pollster but doesn't say which pollster he yeah. knows bernie's gonna well which pollster are you talking about nbc, NBC. news we got, we got a great show ahead 86690 red eye it's not always easy to spring back from the harsh days of winter to warmer months ahead from de-icing chemicals to hidden debris underneath snow and ice, winter conditions can do serious damage to your truck. Here's a must-do maintenance check to help you minimize downtime and stay rolling. Have your batteries tested and inspect your electrical system for any exposed connections, wires, or butt connectors. Get any exposed components repaired immediately, as the acidic nature of highway de-icers will erode any exposed connections or wires in no time at all. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Coming up, talking about conservative versus uh, liberal, Matthew uh, Iglesias, the uh, the far-left writer, <laughs> wrote a piece yeah. that young liberals are more depressed than young conservatives. 
Huh. We'll get to that coming up. All right. Uh, in a uh, in in a little bit, uh, Corrine Jean Pierre uh, being asked a variety of questions uh, yesterday. Uh, we'll get uh, also uh, to uh, to that. And uh, oh, finally, uh, we're getting to where we uh, need to be: doctors versus doctors. Science, the science of the lab leak theory. Oh, where okay. we should have been all the time. All right. Let's talk about the science, and every time we bring this up, I'll at least get one email. Somebody saying, well, nothing has to happen to Social Security. You guys are making that up. Social Security on the path to major benefit cuts unless Congress acts, the CBO director says. Everything that we bring to you comes from government projections. Yeah. Which, we don't We don't make it up. Yeah, and those uh, government projections are being on the safe side. Yes. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 truck stop at exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the super truck showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1 866 90 Red Eye. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866 90 Red Eye. This audio comes from last week, but I wanted to uh, to play it because uh, what you see now is number one, the left. Very little you're hearing from the left on the, the lab leak theory. You notice that? And mm-hmm. I was just telling you, yeah. I said, have you heard anybody on the left defend Fauci in the last couple of days? No, no. It seems to be turning 
yep. the opposite direction. At the very least, uh, you don't have what you had before. Uh, they were almost anointing him after Trump was no longer president. And I noticed, has he gone on? I haven't. I would have seen it. I didn't see. I don't get to watch you and I don't get to watch everything live, but I didn't see anywhere where he has done an interview since all of this has come out. No, where I, he would, I haven't seen one. where he would normally jump on yeah. and be there if yeah. somebody had criticized him. Uh, uh, just I'll, I'll bring this point up. Uh, Jonathan Turley, we've talked about him before, the, the Democrat law professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said, I have not been a vocal critic of Dr. Fauci. But I do think he's been less than forthcoming on this issue. You know, obviously, Dr. Fauci got a lot of things wrong. I mean, at the very beginning, he praised China for being extraordinarily transparent and and cooperative uh, for a change. We still don't even know what that was based on. And we now know that China basically destroyed evidence arrested and threatened scientists, and all but shut down any efforts to find the origins of COVID. Now we're finding out that Dr. Fauci was pushing this study and funding it. And then, as we know, when it uh, when the study came out, he pretended that, you know, he didn't, you know, he, like this was a separate study outside of his, her, his purview. Yeah. Right. And it was not, and so he's been... Severely criticized for that since really Sunday, uh, you know, over the weekend that came out. That's really sort of disturbing when you put it all in the context of what we now know was going on. We now know because of litigation that the CDC had back channels to social media to censor people, to target people who would be suspended. We also know, of course, that various scientists were effectively silenced or shunned And one of the criticisms that I have with Dr. Fauci and his colleagues is they really said nothing about it during this period. Mm. You know, I look at these free speech issues particularly, and as as very qualified and respected scientists were being silenced and shunned. We didn't hear a peep of objection from people like Fauci to say, you shouldn't be suspending these people. You should allow this debate to occur on social media because these are some of the best-known scientists during that period. But instead, the media worked with the CDC, and they effectively shut down the debate. When you've lost Turley, when Turley, who has given Fauci the benefit of the doubt across the board, yeah, why did he change? Yeah. Just like Hunter Biden, emails, mm-hmm. text messages. Whatever. Right. That's the evidence where you say, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. And that's why Fauci has been quiet. And you hear Democrats now. I haven't heard a Democrat come out and say, we need to support Fauci. No. no, Nobody no. is doing that. No. And I want to play this. This is from last week, and it was former CDC director Robert Redfield was on uh, uh, Fox News, uh, you know, being asked about the science of this, you know, the energy department. Why did they, you know, why did they change? Why is everything moving in this particular direction. Here's what he had to say. That makes them make this very what? important proclamation now, even at low confidence or moderate confidence, as the FBI said. 
Yeah, I, I don't know exactly, uh, but I will say a couple things quickly that, that you know, scientifically, I think the argument that uh, Fauci and Collins and others have made that this was from nature because it was like SARS and like MERS is misleading because both SARS and MERS, when they came from a bat into an intermediate host and then into man, never learned how to go man to man. Uh, in the first epidemic of SARS and MERS, it was less than a thousand cases, and we sit here today, you know, 18 years later, it's less than 10,000 cases. COVID came from into man and immediately was enormously transmissible, which, in my view, meant that it was educated in a laboratory how to infect human tissue. And we know there's a publication from 2014 from that laboratory saying they succeeded in taking bad coronaviruses to bind to a key human receptor, the H2 receptor. And so I find it really upsetting to me scientifically when good scientists get up and say, hey, it has to be a spillover event from nature because that's like COVID and like that. And that's, I mean, that's like SARS and that's like MERS. And in fact, it's nothing like SARS and MERS. And remember, he had he had said this two years ago. Mm. Yeah, and was yeah. marginalized and shunned. Right. And, well, and, and, and of said, course, somebody had to say on the left that he was a racist conspiracy well, theorist. Yeah, you have it. to. They have to get all the guns out. You're a racist. You're a bigot. Uh, you're a conservative. It's a far right wing conspiracy, and throw it over in the corner, and dismiss it. Yet they don't debate the science. And and by the way, the and this debate's even gone away. I mean, I did hear a little bit about this, but I about a week ago when this all first first when the uh, when everything hit the fan, mm-hmm. and it was well, that's because they were tying it into the fact uh, that uh, uh, that uh, uh, this was a weapon of war created by China, mm-hmm. and so that was all part. No, it wasn't. That was that was. That was said, well, is, was it deliberate was number one. Number two, was it not deliberate and just a leak from the lab? They were all separate possibilities. The left only combined them because they were, especially in the last couple of weeks, tried to combine them as if they were one and the same. That argument was actually had with Tom Cotton way back when because yeah, he said yeah. that in February of 2020. He said, I'm not saying that this was a... Uh, uh, you know, a, a a weapon that was intentionally released. We don't know that, but I'm not stating that. I'm giving all the different possibilities that it might just be a lab leak from that particular lab that wasn't leaked on purpose. Right. And yeah, so you yeah, heard there's... that a little bit last week as trying to defend the position of the left, but I really haven't heard that over the last couple of days. Right. Well, I, because I think now there is there really is all the headwinds are against them there that wasn't the case before when social media controlled the world during the shutdown if you think about it that's what was going on social media was controlling the narrative along with the mainstream media on all of this and man i'd love to know uh, what involvement the fbi might have had in that were they involved like they were the hunter case I mean, I'd love to see the back and forth. So far, there's no reason to believe that, you know, to uh, to the extent that they were getting involved in the Hunter Biden thing. I, I haven't seen anything, but I have to ask the question. Where why would you shut down the narrative? 
since when does the the far left not want to be the hero? You look at things and, you know, we talked about it with the um, train derailment. You've got a major corporation responsible for a chemical spill in a working class town and you didn't put your Superman cape on and get there before everybody? Why? Oh, man, I'm telling you, and Buttigieg, we'll get to that later. Yeah. But Buttigieg, why, why? Buttigieg bringing Tucker Carlson into it. Yeah. And it was like, right. does Tucker have Carlson? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm just like, he well, was all over the place. And he's been, he is just living. He's throwing shots at everybody because he failed miserably as a liberal. Right. And now you can apply it to this. Who was the first liberal to actually entertain? And it wasn't even, I don't know. It was probably in in, in a more serious fashion than any other liberal had entertained this idea of a lab leak, and that was John Stewart, and he was doing a bit on Colbert, a bit that was based on an observation that was serious, not mm-hmm. a joke. These are the things you look at. Why would you want to shut that down? Why would you want to not ask the questions as to where it came from? Where was the media just asking the question, not even mentioning, not even mentioning the 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 wet market or the lab leak where was the i mean the full on investigation the cur- we're going to get to the bottom of this just natural curiosity right well the the work that they have done in the past on a number of things right i mean think about this it happened during the trump years that should have been gold for them right yeah Oh, my gosh, we could lay this at his feet. Why didn't that happen? Why didn't they go after it full on like they normally would? They're just now getting around to acknowledging the lab leak theory. And the guy that they put up on the pedestal, remember, you know, early on with Fauci, he was the people were criticizing Trump for closing this down or closing that down or or doing all of this or doing that or not not wanting to abide by recommendations. And Fauci was the one that said everything we advised him to do, he did. Right. And then the moment that Trump is out of office, Fauci does this almost tell all interview, scoffing, rolling his eyes at then former president and still former president Trump. These are the, you know, he just, he had that arrogance that we saw all along. And then the left was just going to make him into a hero, just like they did James Comey. And he was talking a lot like James Comey. And we were sitting around going, are we the only ones that see this? And the media just ignored it and wanted to put him on a pedestal. And now all all that seemingly that's gone is over. Well, remember, think about that, Comey, yeah. Cuomo, Cuomo, yeah. Remember, remember this. People forget. Yeah. We live in the bubble right. of today. You know, it was uh, it was uh, almost uh, three years ago. Uh, we're we're probably two years and about uh, uh, nine months right. from 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 the point that Cuomo for president, if Biden can do it. Right. In fact, can we yeah. get Cuomo in there instead of Biden? Right. Now, nobody talks about Cuomo anymore at right. all. Right. 
He has forgotten. You know what the Republicans need to do next now? Hmm. And I don't know if they've done it. Have they subpoenaed the doctor, what's his name, Christian Anderson, and then the other doctor that both said that they believed early on that this was Mm man-made? And then two days later, they changed their mind. Why? They need to be subpoenaed under oath. And I don't know how you do this, but not just taking questions from the, the, uh, the, the, the politicians, from the members of the House, but they need a... They need to have the backing of other, you know, virologists yeah. to be able to ask the right yeah. medical questions yeah. Yeah. because the one thing you can do as a doctor, I mean, you really can filibuster with uh, with metaspeak. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just made that word up, metaspeak. Right. Yeah, instead you know, of legal speak. Yeah. Instead of yeah, metaspeak, you just get up there and, 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 well, I have no idea what he's talking about, mm-hmm. but you need, I think you need somebody there who has has an open mind and saying, why did you say this, to see if it makes medical sense. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how you do that in a, in a, in a setting like that, mm-hmm. but it's needed where they're under oath because why did they change their mind in two days? Right. What changed your mind that definitively? Right. What was that piece of evidence that you got that made you say, oh, no, 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 the lab leak theory is ridiculous? Right. When you were saying two days before that you believed it was a lab leak. Unless there's a smoking gun, there's no way you can make that change that quickly. Right. 86690 Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. 86690 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Just just playing random audio cuts here. Let's, uh, let's see what uh, was going on with Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday. Okay. okay. All, All right. right, here we go. All right. uh, regarding Russia's sanctions, I'm wondering if you could uh, share the reason why President Biden hasn't sanctioned the Russian billionaires uh, Vladimir Yevtushenkov and Yelena Batarina. Um, how, how is he handling the conflict of interest there, giving his son was a business associate of these two people? And can you confirm that as sitting vice president, he dined with that arena in Georgetown? I, I'm just not speaking to um, anything that's related to his son from here. If you, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even know what you just asked me. So, well, they're, uh, they're defer to somebody else. Well, the reporters are heading heading down the uh, the right path there. And she said, I won't speak on Hunter. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, he's actually not asking you to speak on Hunter. Yeah. He's asking you to speak on the president. <laughs> yeah. Which is you your know. job. That's your whole job. Yeah. It's the one reason you're here. <laughs> I just won't be. I, I don't speak for the guy. No, actually, you do. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right. There's just so much audio and we don't get a chance to to play all of it every single day. So this actually comes from the Sunday morning news shows. But I just, you know, now that now that we're almost there into uh, a, a primary season, we're getting very, very close mm-hmm. uh, uh, to it. I want to play this audio cut. This was on uh, uh, CNN. Scott Jennings, uh, the... Uh, I guess the token Republican <laughs> on this uh, panel on uh, on Sunday morning, and of course talking about how doesn't matter who it is on the Republican side, they're all a danger to democracy. Uh-huh. All right, and so uh, here's part of this discussion. Then Scott Jennings comes in <laughs> with really the reality of how Democrats view any Republican. To to, to be sure, nothing is good about the fact that the modern-day Republican Party uh, has this person as its standard bearer. But it is you, this week. But if you believe, right? as, as I believe, that whether the nominee is Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or even Nikki Haley, that that would pose an existential threat to democracy itself, which is what we've seen with the opposition of voting rights and the election denialism and so many other things, then you're happy that Donald Trump will be the easiest person to defeat on that side. You say that now. I, I, I believe we're hearing what's going to happen. It doesn't matter who the Republicans nominate. That person's going to be called everything that they would call Donald Trump, whether it's DeSantis or anybody else. Democrats always do this. George W. Bush, Mitt Romney, John McCain, Donald Trump. They were all monsters. They, they, were, oh, all, yep. they were all history's greatest monsters. That's right. And the only good Democrat, <laughs> or the only good Republican, I guess, is a dead or defeated one. Well, let's because- <laughs> That's true. <laughs> an existential threat to democracy. Yeah. That was former Congressman Mondaire Jones. And again, they bring up, you know, the their objection, you know, the whole voting rights thing, which, again, is the race baiting lie coming from the Democrats. Yeah. You saw it with the right. Georgia election law. You saw right. it with the Texas election law, but right. especially the Georgia election law where the mainstream, all the mainstream, which, which is a Democratic Party, all the Democrats lied about the Georgia election law in order to cause divisiveness and hatred based on skin color. The Democratic Party is the modern hate group of today. They then, use the same tactics as the KKK mm-hmm. or the white Aryan nations. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, they're looking at uh, having their convention in Georgia. They'd like to have at least right. some in the party would like to have as if it never happened yes because remember they moved the all-star game out of the state and they lied about the law this is the most important thing they lied about the law so people would hate each other based on skin color you think major league baseball when when they first heard that idea uh, that uh, when when they first floated the idea of having the convention in Georgia, Major League Baseball is going like, I'm, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. what? Wait, what? No, we we moved our All Star game yeah. for you guys, 
And now you guys want to have your own event in Georgia? Well, that's what you get for stepping in it. But again, there is no shame for what they did. They accomplished what they wanted to accomplish at the moment, which was to get Major League Baseball to move. But whether it was the lies of Black Black Lives Matter, the Georgia election law, it's all to cause racial division based on a lie. And so many American companies and sports leagues bid on it. And, uh, you know, you and I have said in the, in the, the, the summer of, of 2020, mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter lies and the blue wave of intimidation that swept over corporations and sports leagues was the most intimidating thing I have ever witnessed. Oh yeah. Now it didn't yeah. stop us. I don't I don't care. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not, nothing's going to stop us from 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 telling the truth as we did. Right. And now who's talking about Black Lives Matter in a in in a uh, a positive way? What Democrats talking about Black Lives Matter the organization? I don't know anybody promoting it. No. Nobody. That's how quickly, and just like the Georgia election law, same thing. And so the first example that he gives, for, and, and by the way, the second example, you know, denying an election, that's become both parties do that now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't like it, but both parties are now involved in, you know, any election loss, uh, they, they were screwed over. There was yeah. cheating, there was whatever. Right. Now, as we know, in 2020, many things to look at. Many things to look at, as we have stated at that time, but the the uh, the right got completely burned on Dominion and Smartmatic, mm. and we called it right. We called it right, and by the way, that's where we that's where we felt the pressure. Yeah, you know, we got it. We got it from many of our listeners on Dominion and Smartmatic. When when the the Trump campaign was talking about the fact that the Georgia governor and the Georgia Secretary of State were taking bribes from Dominion and Smartmatic, then they looked like complete idiots when Smartmatic came out and said, "We were only in one county in California. We're in part of the election," mm-hmm. and still Republicans backed it up. Still, you had many Trump supporters still back it up. Still back up. That lie. Even after the Trump campaign got rid of Sidney Powell, they were still saying it was the truth. Well, they got rid of her. They severed their relationship with her the weekend she said it. Immediately, they let her go. But that's been been both sides now. And we have said, started in 2020, then 2016, then 2018, and then Republicans jumped aboard in 2020. Politicians and people involved in the political arena, hey, it's working for the Democrats. We'll jump on it. Mm-hmm. Now, were there voting concerns that we had in many of the states? Yes. And we articulated each and every one of them. I can't think of an election cycle during my adult years that didn't add to the number of concerns I have with with uh, different states in their voting process. And I can say the same thing, starting with Kennedy-Nixon for me. 
Yeah, you were in your 40s, and that was, <laughs> you know, you were in, in your prime. I would have been, I think I was five. <laughs> yeah, 45, that's right. Um, <laughs> I do remember, though, I do remember, I, I, I do remember, and my mom, my mom used to tell me all the time, because she said, uh, and I remember it. I just I don't remember the debate, but I do remember looking at it and just thinking, oh, you know, I was much more impressed uh, at that debate. And again, it had to be, you know, just uh, just I guess how you view it as a kid. I thought Nixon was better than Kennedy. That shows you how I guess my political observations start. It was either that or too much candy. Yeah, it could have been. It, it could have been the candy. <laughs> My mother always remembered that. She goes, yeah, we said, who do you like? And she goes, you pointed to Nixon. <laughs> yeah. And, and Kennedy. I bet that guy never gets in trouble for anything. <laughs> and as we know, Kennedy won that debate big time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's always viewed, but. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, so the, what he brings up, the two things is stolen elections. Well, that's become now mainstream on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's become a mainstream complaint. So that's a wash. Yeah. And then you look at, uh, cause remember, I believe Hillary is still debating 2016. Is she not? There's just the focus isn't on her. Right. It's always on. It's always on Trump. Now, Trump is still running, so there is more focus on her. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Hillary may be running again if that article from Politico was right that we read the other day. (laughs) Hillary could be back. And as for the the whole thing on election fraud, uh, Mondaire Jones, a former congressman, is a filthy liar. Mm. And he knows it. And he was part of spreading the hatred. And that's the thing. The liberal black leadership spreading lies... In order, in order to make it so they hope that blacks will hate whites because they believe Jim Crow is coming back. And Mondaire Jones is one of those filthy liars. And I add filthy because that's what it is. When you race bait like that, if there's true racism, call it out. But race baiting is racism. Yeah, that's the only it's It's the entire idea behind what you're doing is to try and divide people yep and they and they do that nonstop, nonstop. all the way all the way to the top and i wish somebody like jennings would call him on it mm. i i wish this this is where republicans need to have more guts and point that out mm-hmm. you promoted a lie you promoted a lie so people would hate each other you're a race baiter that's racist you're as bad as the people you claim you hate yeah. and say it right to their face mm. You have, you've, look, you got to be on the the offensive, and that's something that they still promote today. You know, they still promote the election thing. They're like, "What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. And this is where Republicans, at times, Democrats will take a lie and keep promoting the same lie over and over again. Republicans have a perfect opportunity to be on the offensive, but you got to say it over and over and over again. Every time they say it. You know, we've said this before. We know at times that 
the things, the arguments we use can be repetitive because they're the same arguments. Right. But when they're making the same false accusations, the only argument is the truthful argument back again. Mm -hmm. So it may be the same argument, but it's the only argument because it's a truthful argument to debate against their lies. And they're racist lies. Yep. And it's about time that Republicans say, wait a minute, we're not the racist. You are. And here's why you're the racist, because here's what you do specifically, not the general things that they throw out. Right. Because, as you notice, on the Georgia election law, they never told you why it was Jim Crow. They never explained to you why the Georgia election law was like separate drinking fountains or separate bathrooms. No. They never explained that to you to compare one to another. They just threw out the label. And so, as we know, we brought this up about a month ago when the polling came out from the University of uh, Georgia. Uh, how many how many whites, because that's how they did it, how many whites were upset uh, or thought that the voting experience was poor? About 1%. How many blacks thought that the voting in Georgia, this was across Georgia, Viewed it as, as, as being uh, uh, the experience as being poor. Zero percent. Zero. Zero. And so everything they said about the Georgia election law was a lie. And still, former Congressman Mondaire Jones still promoting the same racist lie. Some of the worst, some of the worst. People that are attempting to divide blacks against whites based on lies is the liberal black leadership are liberal black Democrats. They were to have if they were to have their convention in Georgia, uh, is he going to be there to talk about that? What do you say about that at the convention? <laughs> oh, my, that's a great. And, uh, that's and a do great you do point, that yeah. on Thursday night? Prime time. After Georgia hosts you all week? Wow. Oh, please make that happen. 86690-RED-EYE. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay-per-mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay-per-mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, uh, a uh, leftist writer says young liberals are more depressed than young conservatives. And he tells the reason why. We'll get to uh, that, of course. Tons of audio, including from Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday, Mm -hmm. the White House press briefing. And this was on a report last week about how Ford's F-150 Lightning, uh, the electric EV truck, is contributing to high pollution and the deforestation in the Amazon. Oh, no. We can't have that. Here, here we go. There was a report last week about how Ford's F-150 Lightning, their electric EV truck, is contributing to high pollution and deforestation in the Amazon. Does President Biden regret endorsing that truck back in 2021? Has anyone talked to Ford about how they should source uh, aluminum for the frame from a different mine? Uh, no, does, do not regret that and um, don't have any uh, conversation to read out at this time. I, I don't have anything in my book. Well, she's she's to the point where she's not answering any questions anymore. It's like I'm just she's up there. It's like I don't answer any questions. I mean, she did say no. I mean, she did say no. He doesn't regret it. Well, and she she says I don't have anything to read out, which yeah. means she doesn't have any pages in her book that cover that. And the one thing I noticed when the question was being asked, she mm-hmm. wasn't looking down at the folder. Her eyes were going boom, 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 back and forth mm-hmm. from side to side. It was like whoa going on here <laughs> i hadn't she, seen that one yet it was is like, she Whoa. short-circuiting yeah uh, because there's not a page in the in the book for that yet uh, i don't have anything to read out that's what she was saying i don't have a page in the book yet um we told you so by the way the activists are very loud right now on evs <laughs> how dare you take anything from the earth right. and build anything else well you saw greta Last week, where was it? I forgot where it was. Over in Europe, yeah, protesting what the wind and solar farm, yeah, on indigenous land. And I'm like, yeah, well, no, you can't do well, anything well then, well anywhere. Then, then you can't do anything in the United no. States. No, because because you, you can't build anything on stolen land. So there goes all alternative. Someone needs to propose making solar panels out of the air and windmills. From air. <laughs> ah, but you can't do that. You know why? Because the earth needs the air. You'd be stealing air from the earth. I'm telling you, it will never end. If you find, if you think you have found a solution, you're wrong. Because what you're doing is you're stealing the purpose of their existence. An activist needs to protest. And it doesn't matter what you come up with. They're going to protest it. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are. Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. Octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. 
Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Giving you 70% each night, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So here it is, uh, the leftist writer Matthew Iglesias, uh, by, by actually looking at some studies and everything else, uh, they find that young liberals are more depressed than young conservatives. Hmm. Uh, and when I saw this, and Iglesias is a, you know, is a liberal, far left. Mm. And the first thing I thought was, well, you and I've talked about this before. And before I read the article, there were two things that, that I thought of. I said, well, number one, everything is doom and gloom. Yeah. You know, we, we remember the, it, and it wasn't uh, Greta Thunberg, it was the, uh, uh, another uh, young woman who uh, they were talking to these, you know, they were you know probably teenagers, 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. and talking about, you know, free college and things like this. And the one just said, what, who cares about free college? We're not going to live to be 30 years of age. Mm-hmm. When you tell young people, when you brain, when you brainwash young people and you tell them, that their life is going to be over in less than 15 years. When you constantly do that over and over and over again, for example, Greta Thunberg's parents and her, is she a happy person? No. Every day she goes through life believing that it could be her last day. That doesn't create a positive thinking person. But that's number one. Everything is doom and gloom. The other thing, and we've mentioned this many times before, is just the philosophy of modern liberalism today, which is you're a victim who can't make it. We go back to Bernie Sanders after Occupy Wall Street. The only thing that came out of Occupy Wall Street, the only thing is what we're seeing today, and that's about uh, college is too expensive. And remember, it was the bank's fault. Yeah, remember they blamed the banks because it yeah. was Occupy Wall Street. It was the banks, uh, uh, you know, fault for it. And then, okay, the government's taking it over, and so, well, now is it the government's fault? Well, then the government has to make college uh, uh, free or uh, take away, you know, all of all of your debt. But the problem was there, and Bernie was promoting it that if you're somebody who was in college. You can't make it because of billionaires. Billionaires are the cause of your problem. When you're a victim in liberalism, everything is out of your control. 
Liberalism is about being a victim. You're not in control of anything, and that's why government has to save you. And you'll never be in control. You'll never be because they don't believe you're smart enough. They don't believe you'll ever. They want you to believe you'll never have that kind of power. You'll never have uh, the intelligence to run and maintain your own life that we need to do that for you. Right. And obviously, conservative philosophy is different. I know. You know. That's how I was raised. Yeah, there's a ton of problems out there. Um, and when I would complain and whine to my, well, this is going on and that's going on. What did I hear from dad? You know it. DTJ. Get the job done. Do the job. There's no excuses. Get it done. Yeah, there's tons of problems out there. You can still control your own destiny. You are the one that decides whether you make it or not. Life has always been about navigating the problems yep. and, and, and how you get over the hurdles and some of those hurdles you create for yourself. You, if, if you're, if you're going to sit there and wait for somebody to do it for you, you'll be sitting there for a long time. Right. Anytime, as, how many times have I said it? What a depressing, what a depressing mind you have to live in. If you actually believe that nothing, because you've been brainwashed, that nothing is under your control, that government is responsible for your happiness, that government policy is responsible for your happiness. I can't imagine, Eric. I mean, that, you know, we've talked about this before. I get angry when, you know, when, and frustrated when, when liberals, uh, attempt, uh, to mandate not only their policies, but their mindset uh, on our children. I'm an adult now, so it doesn't affect me that way. But when I actually look at someone like that young girl who said, you know, and she was just livid. I don't care about free college. I'm not going to be alive in a couple of years mm -hmm. because of climate change. Can you imagine living in that life? And as we said, what type of reprehensible human beings or parents brainwash their kids like this? That that girl believes she has zero control over her life. That's None. a learned behavior. Yep. Well, getting to you, and that would have been, you know, part of you know, if before I read the article, that would have been what I would have said. Hmm. Well, research shows that young liberals, especially liberal girls, are more depressed than conservative youth, a trend that left-wing writer Matthew Iglesias said could be caused in part by poor behavior by adult progressives, many now whom uh, valorize depressive effects as a sign of political commitment. The more depressed, that's sort of virtue signaling, the more depressed you are and the more of a victim you are, that's a sign of political commitment. The more depressed you are, the more angry you are, the less happy you are. That shows you're suffering more. And therefore, you care. Iglesias, co-founder and former columnist for the left-leaning Vox and current columnist for Bloomberg Opinion, wrote an article on his Substack titled, Why Are Young Liberals So Depressed? The piece explores recent data 
from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention showing alarming rates of sadness and depression among American teenagers, along with another study exploring the depression levels of American teens broken down by political affiliation. The CDC survey doesn't ask teens about their political belief, but the study found not only a divergence by gender, but divergence by political ideology, Iglesias wrote. Breaking things down by gender and ideology, they find that liberal girls have the highest increase in depressive effect and conservative boys have the least. But liberal boys are more depressed than conservative girls. Suggesting an important independent role for political ideology. Hmm. Wow. And he goes through a bunch of stuff. You know, uh, stop encouraging people to look at everything as a catastrophe. But that's what they do. Yeah. Think about it. The adults do it all the time. Mm -hmm. If Trump gets elected, it's the end of democracy. The election law is Jim Crow. In 2016... They sat, you know, they they uh, sat at home and were in a grieving state. And we said it then. It's a type of virtue signaling when you do that. What you're telling people, what you want people to think in some cases is that you care more. It affects you more than it affects anybody else, which means you care more about whatever the issue is. Yeah. I can't imagine putting that much power in one person. But the left did repeatedly. Forget about the fact that the economy was chugging along pretty good. Forget about the positive things that were going on Oh, I just had to hate this one person, and I've got to hate that person more. And I've got to demonstrate clearly that I hate that person more. Look, when it comes down to it, many of these things, again, are taught in the home. They're learned behaviors, one way or the other. I know from having four children of my own and eight grandchildren. I know how difficult it can be and the real issues that you face and that they face as young children, adolescents, and then adults. And you're there to navigate, help them navigate through that. But if you're going to teach them repeatedly that the world is going to end, you should expect that they're going to live in fear. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, they were talked about social media because that's always viewed as social media is the reason that young kids are depressed. And he actually argued while exploring the impacts of technology and social media on teens is important. He does not believe that liberal boys are experiencing more depression than conservative girls because they are disproportionately hung up on Instagram-induced body image issues. Mm. I think there's also something specific to politics uh, going on. He said uh, he credited in part what he calls the selection effect, suggesting that progressive politics 
have become a more congenial home for people who are miserable. Well, they're miserable because they promote miserable ideas. Mm-hmm. Their ideas, their ideas are actually lies. They're brainwashing across the board. Yeah. Democracy is going to end. You hear that every day mm-hmm. from your parents. Democracy is ending. Democracy is ending. The world is doomed. The world is doomed. There is no hope. You're not in control of your own life because you're a victim of everybody. Well, the one thing that will make you damn depressed is you don't believe you're in control of anything in your life. That other factors besides you control you and it's pounded into you every single day. Well, and not only that, that you don't won't, and won't ever have control. That you can right. do nothing about it. You're helpless. That's the worst thing you can teach to a child. And that's what modern liberalism teaches each and every day. You can't make it. You can't do it. Why? You're a victim of something else. That's what happens when you get the victim. And and then you're a victim for a while, and all of a sudden you turn around and you become the oppressor. <laughs> I've been a victim all my life. Now I'm an oppressor. How did that change? Well, because they moved on from you. And you wonder why you're, the, the children feel hopeless. You teach them that it is hopeless and that... that there's no way out of it, then expect them to live there in that fear over and over again. He ultimately argued that the left should stop encouraging people to look at everything as a catastrophe. But that's what they do on everything. Think about it. Think about modern liberal politics today. It's the most racist society ever. Mm. It's the most sexist society ever. Uh, you know, uh, elections, the election laws are Jim Crow. We're going way uh, back there. The United States sucks. It's one of the worst places to live. You live in a, you're a woman, you live in a patriarchal society. Men control everything. Right? That's and- it. The planet is going to end in a few years. And the planet's going to end in the few, in, in a few the years. The ultimate doom and gloom. It's, it's all going to end. There is no hope. Right. You can't make it in life because you're a victim and you will never be able to make it in life because you're a victim unless this, unless you subscribe to this party that will provide you everything that you need. Right. Which now even that party is now has now become the oppressor and you can just ask Greta. I I would suggest that the pathology of dependency causes massive depression in people and massive hopelessness. Well, because it requires them to believe something is going to show up every single day to help them. Somebody or some amount of money is going to show up and it's not going to happen. 86690 red eye lines open for your calls 86690 red eye on red eye radio It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. So 
<laughs> I just love it. Matthew Iglesias, he he understands. He's on the left. He understands why young liberals are depressed because they're being brainwashed that everything is useless. They're not in control of their own lives. Everything is a catastrophe. The world is going to end. You can't make it in life. Patriarchy, racism, everything is against you. Billionaires are against you. No No wonder they're damn depressed. Well, and that it's all permanent. Critical race theory. Right. It's all permanent. It's never going to go away. Climate change. The world is going to end. You can't change it. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690-RED-EYE. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. So, yeah, the interesting thing is inside the Democratic Party, inside of liberalism, they actually know what the problem is. Many people have pointed it out that are inside the mindset of a liberal or inside the Democratic Party, which is right now the same thing. And and that is identity politics is a problem. That's judging people by groups instead of individuals. And um, the, you know right there from Matthew Iglesias, because everything is a disaster. Everything has been taken to the point of insanity when it comes to being a catastrophe. The world is going to end. Uh, You live in a patriarchal society. Men run everything. You don't have a chance. It's a racist society. Critical race theory. All whites think the same. It's so embedded in their culture, it's like DNA. You can't get it out. So society must be permanently structured as if all whites are racist. Well, as you said, everything there is permanent. There is no solution to anything except government taking care of you. Government providing for you. You can't make it in life. You can't afford college. You can't survive without college. We need to take care of that for you. The billionaires are the problem in your life. And, and over and over again, uh, it is there. There's only one solution, and 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 that is the government must take care of you. Must take care of you. You are not in control of your own life because. You're a victim and you can't make it. We've talked about this before, just the the impact that that has on on young people. And they hear it every day. And now it's embedded in the schools. It's still the parents' responsibility to know what's going on. Yeah. But the fact is it's embedded in schools like it wasn't when we were growing up. It's all over the place. It's part of the, you know, it's part of the peer pressure. And 
and I, I, you know, you start thinking about it. You know, you and I talk about the Black Lives Matter lie of uh, the summer of 2020. The police departments are systemically racist to hunt down and kill blacks, which, of course, was completely false. They made it up. Think about how that, the as we call it, the liberal blue wave tsunami of intimidation. Think about this. How? Tell me a comp. Tell me the. Tell me one company that objected to that. They might have been quiet and disagreed with it. Who objected to it? Tell me any major company that objected to that lie. You didn't dare. You didn't dare. You didn't dare. And so if you look at that kind of pressure, the liberal transgender activist movement that exists today, think about it. We're Disney. Disney, a company that caters to children, was afraid to say, no, it's wrong to tell children at five years of age that they can be whatever sex they wish to be. You shouldn't be sexualizing, teaching sexualized content to a five, six, or seven-year-old. Disney couldn't make that argument. They were so intimidated by what was going on. If the companies can't fight it, what chance does your child have in the schools today if they're teaching this? None. Think about it. And what's happening is you have conservative parents that are telling their kids when they come home with this, this is all BS. Hmm. No, the world is not going to end. No, you can make it in life. And that's part of the reason that you what you see going on in school districts all over the country. The parents have had enough. But I can't imagine, I mean, think about, to me, that is so reprehensible. It's so evil, Eric. It really is. This is, if you want to point out the evil in liberalism, it's right there. Matthew Iglesias, the leftist writer, he even recognizes it. Everything is a catastrophe. Well, it's not. And he knows it's not. So he knows they're lying. So they're scaring the hell out of kids for nothing and then wondering, why are our kids so depressed? Well, you're teaching them to be depressed. You're being horrible adults. Well, and 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 think about how much you have to fight the instincts. If you're going to teach these things to a young mind, you have to work against their very instincts to do it. Because instinctually, we're eager, especially as we become adolescents and then adults to go out into the world and get things for ourselves, to go out into the world and do things for ourselves, But over and over again, you're being told, don't bother. Yeah. You have to, you have to go out of your way. You have to repeatedly Make them believe that there is no hope. And when you do that, you can expect that they will believe that there is no hope. If, because if it's coming from anybody of authority in their life, and then, then they're going to believe it. And then their parents are backing it up. Their parents are either MIA or they're part of it. 
Yep. One way or the other, they're not correcting it or they're doing it themselves. One way or the other, they're either directly responsible or indirectly responsible because it all starts and ends in the home. And this is part of being your part of being a part of your child's life every single day to find out what's going on with them, what they're doing, what they're thinking, what their concerns are. And you do that and you turn any obstacle that they have. And as adolescents, especially, they're going to have a ton of them every single day. But what do you do? Your job is to help them navigate that. Your job is to empower them, not do the opposite. And, and it, it's also about teaching kids that they're independent of anything that's, you know, going on. And say, look, you, you can make it on your own. You know, you're an individual. You've got talents and there's things that you can do. You're good at this. You're good. That's what parents are supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and teachers are supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and to the point where you feel autonomous. And I go back. I just thought about this right now. I go back to uh, <laughs> Dr. Marlack's 10th grade class where we had the substitute teacher who came in one day. And this was, you know, during the Vietnam War. And I'll never forget, said there's no difference between communism, you know, and the republic that we live in here in the United States. It's simply what people chose. Well, today, probably no one's going to argue with the teacher on that, right? Right. Well, I got sent to the principal's office because I objected and I got (laughs) accused of being insubordinate when I told the teacher, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. And I got sent to the principal's office and the principal uh, of the high school I went to uh, grew up with my father. said, what are you doing here? Well, you know, why were you? It says insubordination. What did you do? And I told him. And he just shook his head. It's like going, oh, God, McNamara. He probably thought that guy's going to be a talk show host someday. But <laughs> but nothing ever happened. And the te- the substitute teacher never came back. You know, and and so, but I was, I guess my point is, I wasn't afraid to speak up. I wasn't afraid to hear something that was so ridiculous or I said, that's even in 10th grade, I wasn't afraid. And nobody stopped me from speaking up. Nobody said, as long as you're respectful. And I was respectful. She said, you're wrong. And I said, no, you're wrong. I wasn't being disrespectful. I wasn't being insubordinate. I was sim- simply, you know, in a debate at that particular point. Does that happen in schools today? Well, it doesn't happen with corporations. We just mentioned it. Yeah. You can't speak out against the leftist mob because they will take you down. Imagine being a child in a classroom. Yeah. Imagine being a child in any setting. Go ahead and think for yourself and then speak out about it and see what happens. Go ahead as a female athlete on a team. Tell the coach you have a problem with that boy coming in and taking your place on the team. Go ahead. Let's see what happens. We'll destroy your life. That's what they will destroy do. your scholarship. That's we'll destroy right. Your education. That's right. And we'll make sure that the adults are involved because it was years ago on the whole bathroom thing in California when they were pointing at the parents of the child, the daughter who had a problem with a man coming into her bathroom and saying, your daughter is a bigot. The Charlotte Observer wrote it. Your daughter better get used to male genitalia. That's the way it goes. Go ahead. Speak up about it. See what happens. Yeah. These are the people that run the left. 
They will tell you that they have greater virtues. They will want you to believe that they have greater virtues. But what is happening is they are going after the young minds, the youngest of minds. And don't you dare for a moment as a parent think that you have a place in your child's classroom. Oh, exactly. And that No, but that's a great point. Have you ever heard that more than the last couple of years from the left? Over and over again. We, we are the educators. We know you're just a parent. I have a master's degree, she said the other day. I have a master's. These parents don't have a master's degree. They're just a parent. That's who they are. This is how they operate. This is not done in secret. They're saying it out loud. Swalwell said it. Mm-hmm. It over and over again. What's his name? I can't think of it now. The lost the governor's race. McAuliffe. McAuliffe. Yeah, Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. You have no place in your child's like, classroom. What, the hell? what, is, like, what do you think you're doing but here? They're they're blunt about it, and and it's what and and see. You know, Iglesias sees the result of it. Yep. All the lies being told to children, and the children are being brainwashed. They believe the lies that they have no hope in their life. Oh, you wonder, why are they depressed? Right. Because of your philosophy of life, which has become a major political party in the United States that's based on lies. That's the other thing. It'd be something else if they were telling them the truth. But they're not. No. They're lying about everything. They're brainwashing kids with lies. And they're going after the parents. They did it in Florida. Disney soiled the bed when they did that because their (laughs) stock was dropping. And the board had to call the old CEO and say, we need to get our current CEO out of office now. Will you come back, please? You see uh, one of the Washington Post sports writers? Said that Major League Baseball now needs to move their training camp out of Florida mm. because of the uh, racist and uh, and uh, governor uh, who uh, is attacking diversity mm-hmm. and saying he doesn't want to teach African American studies, right? You know, and the members they have to lie about it. Well, he let's put it this way: uh, Kevin Blackstone, by the way, uh, featured on ESPN a lot, and. And he's just he's extremely far left and and a race baiter. Um, he by the way, a couple of weeks ago we went after Tony Dungy because Tony Dungy is a Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, how dare and you, Mister Dungy? You can't have you can't have that. But uh, uh, goes after DeSantis, and I was thinking, well, we're, you know, basically saying Florida, making the comparison of Florida the nineteen twenties, mm-hmm. you know, and the racism that existed down there back back then, and uh, and like we said. As Scott Jennings said on CNN, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter whether it's Trump, didn't matter whether it's Bush, didn't matter. Everybody's going to be as demonized. Any Republican will be as demonized as much as Trump is. Doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Yeah, every Republican is like that. They're racist. They're sexist. They're everything. But the racist and sexist that we see are actually on the left. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep. yeah, just great that it's like okay, move it to Georgia. Yeah. Move spring training to Georgia? Do you think it would be right. a good idea? Right. But uh, like I said, they're the left and the liberal black leadership and the liberal black media 
are some of the worst offenders, the worst race, race baiters that are trying to divide blacks against whites by line. And the Democratic Party is full bore into lying about race, lying about things in order to make people hate each other based on physical characteristics. Characteristics, It's reprehensible. And they continue to teach our young kids the exact same filth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, move spring training to New York City, Portland, Chicago. downtown yeah let's have it downtown right it'll be perfectly safe 866-90 red eye get in touch with red eye radio toll free at 866-90 red eye It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, uh, Going to be interesting. We've got uh, you know hearings uh, this uh, this week on um, on uh, COVID and the origins of uh, of, of COVID. Mm-hmm. It's it keeps moving. Uh, it you know you're it keeps moving forward. You know as you and I said, uh, it was really interesting to see nobody's defending Fauci right now. You don't hear anybody on the left saying, no, these are unwarranted attacks on Fauci. Well, you can't once the emails come out. Yeah. And once the emails come out, it's like, oh, okay. When you lose Jonathan Turley, as he did, they did the other day or yesterday when I saw what he wrote, uh, it's because of the emails. You can make accusations, but once the emails come out and you read the emails, it's like, okay, this stinks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Also, uh, I can't wait for this one. Uh, Jim Jordan has subpoenaed former disinformation czar Nita Jankowitz to testify before Congress. <laughs> <laughs> they they went through. Mayorkas was Mayorkas was testifying a couple of weeks ago, and they mm-hmm. went on with it all, saying, "Well, she wrote this. She wrote this." Right. And, and basically, he said the Mayorkas's defense of 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 her was the fact that he had no idea that that she, that she was the absolute pinnacle of disinformation on right. everything yeah. that she that she talked about. Well, he didn't know that. Yeah. He goes, "Well, I didn't know any of that." Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't aware of that. You I, didn't know her social media uh, background? Yeah, right. I mean, you want you wanted Would to Would you make, not check into that? Yeah, you wanted to make her the czar of disinformation and you didn't know that she was perpetuating consistently massive disinformation on her personal sites yeah she's not the disinformation czar she's the queen of disinformation Disinformation. and it's not that hard to find it but you know something it's it's when they thought they were bulletproof and they could do anything without any repercussions right right no they really did um, they thought that they owned social media forever. They thought that they controlled everything in the liberal media forever, and they still do to a, to a certain extent, well, to a large extent. Um, but the problem with the liberal media is that they're not getting the same play that they used to get 
on social media. So now everybody's looking at it going, okay, well, all of these things are coming out with evidence that are basically killing a lot of our own points that we've been making. So what do we do now? You know, and and that's that's really where we are. Think about how long the lab leak theory has been out there. It's been out there since the beginning. Since the very, yeah, you're, it's a great point. The very beginning. Wow. Wow. Over three years. Yes. <laughs> and now, oh, man. we're just now getting to a discussion about yeah. it. fourth branch of government eric harley and gary mcnamara on red eye radio and he is eric harley and i'm gary mcnamara 86690 uh red eye well an attorney with the far left southern poverty law center uh and, and you know they've been around i mean morris dees i believe founded that years ago they used to have some credibility then they became a far left activist mm-hmm uh, a group, but an attorney there has been charged with domestic terrorism after allegedly ride, riding with Antifa in Atlanta. This is at you know that uh, the police training site, the future police training site. Mm-hmm. See the yeah. lots of cocktails being yeah. thrown and yeah. everything uh, there over the weekend. Uh, far left agitators allegedly threw Molotov cocktails and launched fireworks at an Atlanta uh, police training facility that has been under construction. Among the 23 people arrested for what uh, police called a coordinated attack is Thomas Jurgens, 28, a staff attorney at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Following the arrest, his LinkedIn page was deleted. Uh, per the New York Post, uh, of the 23 people slapped with domestic terrorism charges over the violent protest, Jurgens and only one other man, Hail from the state of Georgia, police said the majority of those arrested were from other parts of the United States as well as France and Canada. The SPLC did not immediately respond to the post request for comment in the wake of Jurgen's arrest. In total, 35 violent agitators were nabbed after they attacked the future site of the $90 million police training facility. It wasn't immediately clear if the remainder of those arrested will be hit with domestic terrorism charges. During the demonstration over the weekend, protesters allegedly threw Molotov cocktails, fireworks, rocks, and bricks at police officers. The Atlanta police chief later described it as a coordinated attack and that multiple pieces of the construction equipment were set on fire. This was a very violent attack, very violent, said the police chief. This wasn't about a public uh, safety uh, training center. It was about anarchy, and we are addressing that quickly hmm. well, i'm glad they did that yeah no actually when i saw that alert come out yesterday i thought that, that was very quick yeah it's, the, the fact it's, that they responded very quickly yep uh andy no has been one of those that has been uh online of course he's been you know following and covering uh this kind of activity for it seems like forever 
you know, it's it's only been, you know, a few years, but it seems like it's been going on for forever. Um, but, uh, you know, showing some video coming out of that. Um, and yeah, you you often when you follow Andy, you almost feel like, well, they're never going to go after this person or those, those people or they're never going to find those individuals that are responsible. And so it was refreshing because it was about this time yesterday I was reviewing some of the things that uh, at Andy's uh, Twitter page and, and and watching some of the videos. And I'm thinking to myself, you you know, this this has to be stopped. And then I guess it was less than 12 hours later. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing that, uh, you know, that they've they've uh, got these individuals here, nearly two dozen individuals. And and the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, that cannot stand but but this is what you get when you believe when when you make people believe that it's fair to go after the police. A lot of this, I won't say it started, but it certainly escalated that mentality in, uh, uh, back in Ferguson. And so when you look at at uh, uh, who was was it Jake Tapper that that said uh, these these police are armed. Remember they were. They were. Oh they, yeah. They had yeah, was, uh, positioned yeah. themselves. The police had positioned positioned themselves mm-hmm. in one part of town, you know, waiting for the inevitable, and that was that uh, the the riots, the, the crowds would be getting uh, to that point. And these police officers are armed. Yeah. But this this idea, the discussion back and <laughs> forth from the left was, well, the police have all these armored vehicles and they have all these guns and basically implying it's not a fair fight it, right it's not a fair fight that there needs to be a fair fight between the uh rioters right yeah excuse me the insurrectionists yeah and the police officers <laughs> right and that it's not their job to and it was <clears throat> in fact proven demonstrated over and over again that those individuals in fact those police officers were protecting individuals some of the people uh that were that were part of the uh, demonstrations were getting protection as they would drive those those armored vehicles in and and help somebody who was injured and you know but you can't have that discussion and that was kind of the escalation of the breakdown and uh, when in on social media and and in the media in the liberal media this insane idea was starting to be floated about defunding the police. Because remember, with with Ferguson, it would be, well, should we be giving them the kind of funds where they can get this kind of uh, weaponry and, and these kind of uh, vehicles and everything else? Why are we funding that? And then it just became more and more. Defund the police it just grew. That was one of the early seeds planted in that effort to the extent now that, you know, you've got this attack. Uh, on what they call cop city and this is you know this is terrorism this is domestic terrorism there's no other way around it and uh it's i think it's great that they were able to find these individuals and and uh and at least put a stop to it for now we'll see you know what happens going forward but this is i, I was surprised pleasantly surprised now, I don't know now. I mean, let's not be surprised if the Democratic Party 
uh, ask, uh, you know, Major League Baseball to move something out now. Yeah, yeah. Somebody something. in the Democratic Party. Yeah. Think, yeah. You really, when you think about that over the last, you know, three years, mm-hmm. first off, <laughs> when you said, <laughs> when you said that the, uh, the Lab League theory story, you know, started at the beginning of COVID and I went, oh my gosh, it's over three years old. Think about this. Yeah. We're now just confronting it three years later. It was February of 2020. Tom Cotton and and some others were talking about this idea. This was before a lot of people even knew what COVID was. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember it was before the shutdowns. Uh, today, I just realized today is the last day that I saw you know my mom in person live, mm. you know, alive. Mm. And then I was in uh, New York, and then I would have left on the eighth, and then really everything started shutting down. I think yeah. it was on the because I came back the 8th, which would have been a Sunday. I think it was Tuesday the 10th that we got the call that, remember, everything was shut down. Yeah, right. And it was like, whoa, 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 yeah. we, we're doing our show from here. You yeah. need to do it from home. It's like, well, number one, I can't, we can't. We don't, have the, we don't have it set up to do it. Right, uh, And right. number two, we just, you know, we, and, and they were fine. And we said, look, we'll do whatever we need to do to, to stay because we thought we could, we, well, we didn't think we knew we could do a better show being in the studio. Mm-hmm together every day and so um but uh and and so i i look back i'm like man it seems such a long time ago and think about it that's been going on they've been hiding it they've been not willing to discuss the possibility and hiding that the other theory might be plausible for three years yeah because it really just hit. Even the FBI saying it didn't matter. When the Department of Energy said it, that seemed to just blow this thing out of the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last week when that it actually, happened. It actually had life. And it had not. I mean, John Stewart said it on Colbert, or he he did the bit on Colbert and brought it up. And then got hammered for it. That was 21. That wasn't going to float. That wasn't going to go anywhere. And, and of course, we knew it. Nobody was going to entertain the idea. Social media still had all that shut down. I mean, you could, you could, uh, there were, there were things you could post after that on social media without getting kicked off permanently. But be careful. Tread lightly. And now we're at a full-blown discussion. Now there's no way to exclude that that from the discussion. You can't. No, and, and you know and you it. you shouldn't have from the beginning. Well, but Well, you know it because the left has gone quiet. Mm-hmm. There is no defense now nope. because there ha- there is no defense of Fauci because after that emails came out yeah. Republicans right. released the emails yeah. nobody's saying that the emails were doctored nobody's saying the emails were created by Jim Jordan no or Santos no <laughs> George Santos 
somebody sent me a we actually said this a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was longer than that when when santos lies come out you know what's the uh what's this what is oh, i forgot what it was what's the difference between you know uh santos and biden mm-hmm. santos would have to lie for another 47 years yeah right <laughs> He's an amateur compared <laughs> yes, to Biden. Yes, he's yeah. Uh, and um, but when you you think about you know how long and then the the lie of Black Lives Matter started in the summer of uh, of 2020, so we're almost three years there. Yeah, and you just think about you know it's you th- everything on the left. And whether it's just because time and the truth comes out or the fact that the Republicans now are able to bring, you know, the truth. It's going to be interesting to see how the media covers the not not tuck, not not trying to, you know, because I, I'm I, I'm sure they're going to say, well, Tucker Carlson, for example, uh, he only showed you edited clips. He didn't show the other things. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but where he talked about the lies of uh, of Liz Cheney and the lies of the January sixth committee is exactly the that we knew this already. We mm-hmm. knew this already on mm-hmm. a lot of these things, but and and I don't believe that the American public that that's the number one thing on their minds is January sixth, but it's just a continuation of the Republicans. As they've been doing already with Fauci now. Okay. Now suspicion. Okay. Fauci wasn't honest with us. Oh, okay. This was actually legit. Oh, that's falling apart. And the January 6th narrative because of Tucker, because Tucker Carlson did it last night and brought up a couple of things, even though he's going to be hit for his possible bias. And is he telling you the truth? because of the whole Dominion and Smartmatic thing, mm. but on the actual things that he said, did was the January 6th committee honest with you in presenting all the information? No, obviously that was a lie. Right. And yeah. so they're just whittling away slowly, whittling away slowly. And from what I can see, from it was written that Tucker Carlson got it first, that this is going to be made widely available. Because it should be made widely. It was available. one of my questions. We were talking about it yesterday, and 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 I was wondering mm-hmm. if they if it would go anywhere from there. Because I, I think we kind of, uh, in in an indirect way, asked that question: Would it be posted, or would or were they going to allow Fox News or or Tucker Carlson to do anything after that to give access to people? Uh, and and I guess that was you know, ultimately the question, because there's no way you can have the kind of transparency that you want without making it widely available. And even if it's not on a central website or something for people to access, uh, if you're making it widely available to the media, then everybody has their shot at at, uh, assessing it. And we'll see where it goes. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. If uh, you would like to get into the uh, show, I'm just reading here about Judge's interview with CNN. Oh, he was just livid. He was livid. No! Mm. I didn't go to I didn't go to East Palestine just because Trump went. <laughs> but we said it then. And and he was criticized for his uh, shoes. This is the best thing. <laughs> uh, here it is uh, regarding his leather dress boots. Yeah. Which drew mockery and criticism. Yeah. Mostly from con- uh, conservatives online. Yeah. yeah. And this is from Mediaite.com. Mm-hmm. The uh, reporter describes Buddha Judge's voice as getting tighter as he responded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. Well, uh, when you look at it, uh, when you know you and I have talked about the upcoming uh, primary, and mm. uh, really the only one I think yeah, I, Nikki Haley's running, but she's almost lost now. You don't hear much about her at all. She's yeah. not really offering yeah. anything. Right. It's still focused on on Trump, and one of the things that Trump has hit DeSantis on is, you know, Social Security and Medicare. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, he won't change the benefits. Now, what he was saying before is nothing's going to change, and now he said they're not going to change the amount of the benefits. Well, right. I, don't, yeah. I, I don't believe that DeSantis has said he's going to change the benefits. I don't know if anybody has said that at this point, but as we have stated before, uh, Republicans are afraid to mention that change has to come to Social Security and Medicare. It has to. You have no choice. And whenever we talk about this, you know, we'll get some feedback. Well, I don't, I don't agree with you guys. Doesn't matter whether you agree. Doesn't matter whether you agree with us. Do you agree with the projections that the government sets that are overly optimistic? And even the overly optimistic ones show it cannot continue as it is. Best case scenario. Right. This isn't my opinion. It's what are they saying? How much money is there? Where do they project how far the money is going to go? And then what happens if there is no new funding for Social Security? And where does the Social Security funding come from? Mm -hmm. So when Trump said the other day that benefits wouldn't change, that means that people are going to have to pay more money to put into Social Security. Or Social Security is going to have to come from the general fund. Or we're going to have to have our uh, future generations, through increasing the debt, pay for Social Security benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Congressional Budget Office Director 
um, uh, told Congress that Social Security is on the fiscal trajectory that could result in benefits being cut by about 25% 10 years from now Mm. if Congress fails to act. In an appearance on Fox Business News, Cavuto, CBO Director Philip Swagel explained to Cavuto, and this is the challenge, I'll say first, is that the Social Security Trust Fund is exhausted by 2032 in our projections. So benefits will be reduced by 25% at that time. So doing nothing does not save Social Security. No. Now, I did see, now he's back to 2032. Last week they were saying 2033 or 2034 because of COVID. And you're saying, what do you mean because of COVID? Because we had so many excess deaths of people that would be collecting at that time that will not be collecting. Yeah. I mean, we had excess deaths and we had deaths from COVID. I'm, I don't want to use the, I'm just saying excess. I didn't mean excess deaths as defined under COVID. I meant excess deaths than what was projected overall, the death rate in the United States to figure out what Social Security has to pay out over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Social Security's major trust fund, the Old Age and Survivors Insurance Trust Fund, is exhausted, the program will have to rely on incoming payroll tax receipts and be automatically required to reduce payments to beneficiaries below the current levels. The federal government would need to raise an, an additional $250 billion to keep benefits just within this decade, and in the next decade, $8 trillion. $8 trillion if you want to keep it going. Yeah, to go to keep it going the way it's going now. Right. Now, by moving the retirement age to 124, <laughs> well, I mean, we're still going to be two trillion <laughs> short. <laughs> oh, oh, so that's not far off. So that's the whole. It's two hundred and fifty billion, mm-hmm. then eight trillion just to keep the current benefits. Yeah. If the president wants to expand benefits, well, that would be an additional cost. Hey, Gary. How about Medicare for all? Well, you and I <laughs> laughed at that because we can't provide Medicare for some. Some Medicare for some. Right. There's some, yeah. We can provide some Medicare to some. Yeah, which but, is limited. Right. Yeah. Biden is planning to begin his rollout of his budget this week, which is expected to include Social Security <laughs> provisions. President, uh, presidential budget proposals are rarely adopted. And in most cases, serve primarily as a framework for Congress. Swag will discuss how the CBO analyzes policy options for reducing the budget deficit, including for programs like Social Security and Medicare that involve tax increases or spending reductions to provide lawmakers with options to consider, though the agency doesn't, doesn't make recommendations as a nonpartisan entity. 
So there you go. Social Security faces a $250 billion hole to maintain benefits for the next decade, which rises to $8 trillion the following decade. Mm-hmm. He notes that CBO's options for Social Security reforms include policy options to mitigate the impact on Americans who are close to retirement age and may begin may begin receiving benefits soon and give those who will be affected more time to plan. He emphasized the longer you wait to make the adjustments, well, the more difficult the problem begins and the more costly and uh, wrenching the eventual uh, adjustments. Mm-hmm. Here it is. If you want to know what the problem is, and I, I tell you, I, Eric, I tell this to people. I tell them precisely this. And they go, well, we'll work it out somehow. Mm-hmm. And you say, how? Well, it'll just be worked out. You have to work it out. You can't They'll do write it. it off. <laughs> They'll write it off. <laughs> My daughter sent me a clip from, uh, there's a show with Eugene Levy. And I'm not going to say the title of the show. It's Blank Creek. <laughs> a very funny show. And his, I think it's his son, and I don't know if that's his son in real life because his, I think the actor may be related to him. I have to go back and look. I, I seem to remember that. But anyway, the son is making the point on the whole writing it up. Well, who do you think is going to pay for that? It's the conversation that we had and the caller that said his son is a lawyer. Yeah. And it, it just all came together in that one clip that my oldest daughter sent. And she thought it was very funny because the, the, the son in this case was talking to his dad uh, and dad being Eugene Levy and, and, and him saying, well, they're just going to write it off. Well, who do you think pays for that? Well, well nobody. They just write it off. Who, who writes it off? The writer offers. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> and he's like, oh, you know, and Levy's just, you know, rolling his eyes, yeah, lo- but, losing his mind. Well, I mean, and, and we had the father who called the other day whose son is a lawyer. Yeah. And they're talking about, you know, the, the whole uh, college uh, debt transfer. Mm-hmm. It's not forgiveness. No. And he, and he asked his son, who's a lawyer, very highly educated. Yeah. I, Ivy League, right? I Ivy don't League? remember if he said Ivy League, but he he's Ivy got a law League. degree. Yeah. He's got a law degree. And, and uh, he, he said, well, who's going to pay for it? He goes, well, nobody. It's forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he couldn't <laughs> convince his son, who's a lawyer. Yeah. That's how screwed up we are when it comes to people understanding economics. Right. Just write it off. Just write it off. But here's the problem. Well, technically, I'm going to put this argument in. Ah, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to. Here we go. It is nobody because it's the people who will pay for it haven't been born yet. So technically, they're nobody. <laughs> Who pays for it? Nobody. Okay, all right, all right, okay, all right, yeah. all right. Uh, Future generations of somebodies, but technically right now, they're nobody. I, I know. What was that story we did where they wanted to teach math with feelings? <laughs> we had that story last week, right? Yeah. Remember yeah. the math with feelings? Right, yeah. We're going to have to factor in feelings. Yeah, we have to factor in feelings to math. How do you feel about that? I feel like I didn't do my homework. Yeah, but th- but that's the perfect that's a perfect example of what no, we're dealing with right it is. here. It is. Because the only thing and for years well, for years uh let me see in um uh let me see 89 we're in 2023 mm-hmm. uh October of this year will be 34 years. Yeah. 
I've been talking Social Security on the radio for 34 years. Mm -hmm. 34 years. Yeah. That this was eventually, you know, it was. And remember, and people go, well, it's, it's still far off. It hasn't come yet. Yeah, neither did the effects of the debt until the last two years. Yeah. Then the debt. The reality of the debt. Well, we don't feel the debt. We don't feel the debt. That's Now you feel the debt. Everything you buy is more expensive because of the national debt. Mm-hmm. And from government spending. Yep. Everything. And it's like, oh, well, no. Why do we let this happen? Because you didn't give a damn. Yeah. Because the public didn't. Because the public wanted it. Yep. I don't mean you, Eric, or. It's a choice. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I actually don't give a damn. But <laughs> but here it is. Now, I know people are going to want to let their – because I bring this up and people go, well, it's it just it, – it, it, it'll magically take care of itself. It's just – you don't worry. The government can't let it go. Well, then what do they do? In 1950, Social Security had 16 workers for every beneficiary. That ratio narrowed to – 2.8 workers for every beneficiary as of last year is expected to shrink to 2.3 by 2035. If you're following along, picture in your mind, oh, I don't know, I'll just make it up as I go along, a pyramid. Those on the bottom, we had 16 for every one, and yeah, that wasn't ever going to last, was it? Uh, Cavuto noted at one point in early in its existence, Social Security had 16 people paying for each recipient, mm-hmm. that the math is getting closer to one to one. Indeed, data from the Social Security Administration indicates that in 1950, it was 16.5 workers for every beneficiary before it declined to about 3.3 workers uh, per beneficiary were remained from the 1970s until 2010 when it dipped to 2.9. And now uh, by 2023, it's at uh, what, 2.8 now. And by 2023, 2.3. Mm-hmm. And there won't be any there won't be any IOUs left. Right. The IOUs go away. The IOUs can't support the and this is where the so called surplus that the government spent on other things, which now the general budget has to pay those IOUs, but those IOUs will be gone by twenty thirty five. And and this is all best case scenario. Best case scenario, yes. Yes. And and that's assuming a certain amount of economic growth. Right. That may not be there because the economic growth that the CBO or the, not the CBO, but what the government comes up with is always based. And if the CBO comes up with it, it's always based on the most positive information given to them by politicians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reality of it. It's going and, to be a significant hit. Right. One way or the other, because we've waited too long to fix it. And how many people by that time will be? We have what forty, I think forty six million people mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. between forty and fifty million people on Social Security, and that includes retirees, uh, and that includes um, SSI, SSI, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, individuals who are disabled. Yes. And it's, you're not going to, and the ratio keeps moving more toward uh, a higher number of retirees 
and fewer individuals that are earning. And I can't tell you, I still get it from people. Well, Social Security is the best thing that ever. It may have been because you were in the positive math where you got everything that you wanted. If if but you the, were in on the beginning, right. man, if you were at the top of that pyramid back then, oh, yeah, yeah. it was pretty sweet. So the, the math is moving in the wrong direction. Right. It was never going to last. No pyramid scheme ever does. No. So expect a number of things. I mean, there's only so much you can do. You can raise the amount that people put in. Mm-hmm. Now you do that knowing that they'll get, they're going to get less than any previous generation, right? Even if they put in, right? You'll have to draw it from social. You'll have to draw it from the general fund. You'll have to means test, which then mm-hmm. makes it a welfare program, yep. and not an insurance plan as right. it was supposed to be, right? And inevitably, which means that you will be including individuals. Other individuals who, at this point, aren't qualified to receive it, but but will be. And and trust me, I'm right on that. So they'll fold certain things into SSI is the way they'll do it. Right. And then they'll have to increase the age. Yeah, retirement age. Retirement age will probably that's go. Gonna, that's going to be, right. I think, probably one of the first things uh, or... Well, they've been doing Obvious it anyway. things that, they, that they're yeah. going to do because historically that's exactly the way yeah. it's been going. Because I'm, I'm at, uh, I was at, <laughs> mine was 66 years in two months. Mm-hmm. And yours is what? 67. 67, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's that, it, it continues to go up. Right. And I don't know if it goes I up. I identify as 68 already. I don't know if it goes, I don't know if it goes up <laughs> past 67 though. I don't, know, uh, I don't know if the law goes past 67. I don't, I don't I think know. 67 is, is the oldest no, right, right now. I may be. And then 70 is if you wish to collect. Deferred. The, yeah. Deferred maximum benefits mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. which is like a third more mm-hmm. than you collected 66 mm-hmm. and two. But, and so, yeah, and so it keeps going up, and I think it's going to continue to go up. They have to. There's no other way to do it. No, I could see it going to 72. Yeah. You mean the 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 sixty six go to seventy two? <laughs> yeah, sixty seven, oh. uh, and it oh, okay. gradually not overnight. Go. Yeah, okay. sixty seven okay. where they're at now, and I think the deferred could probably go as high as seventy five. Eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA is the FMCSA Safety Compliance and Enforcement Program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates, 
Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Check out all the latest in news, events, trucking information, and... It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, so when you look at the numbers there, I mean, the math the math tells it uh, itself. I mean, we live in a time, though, in a generation where even politicians, for the last, you know, you and I remember Bush coming out and saying, look, we need to do something about this, and he was mocked yeah. by Democrats. Right, he said, they look, laughed. If you got an idea, come up with it. They said, no, we're not going to do anything. Right. And we all know what the math is, and it's like we as a society, we don't feel like doing anything about it. Right. The IRS, the world's... So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at redeyeradioshow.com. And he's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. You know something? i got to stop reading during the show. I just got to, I got to stop this. I just, I have to just, I'm, I need to watch videos or something because all I do is get upset. I'm reading, I was going through real clear politics, just checking out and a guy by the name of Freddie uh, DeBoer. I don't know who he is. Uh, he's uh, they say a writer, writer and academic lives in Brooklyn and avowed socialist, mm. you know, and, uh, uh, and why so many elites feel like losers. It's destabilizing to have a nation of young strivers with no coherent vision or path to success. And, you know, he's talking about the fact he goes elite overproduction has been on my mind. And he gives the the uh, the example of lawyers, how there used to be this thing that a lawyer is your way to success. Hmm. Well, now many people got law degrees and it's not their way to success. And now they feel screwed over. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, well, then you're talking about liberalism is in, in general. The fact that you are entitled to something. But he's also talking about the fact of people that have had elite aspirations who uh, got to the point of, you know, where they did make it and are making money and still aren't satisfied because they still can't get and fulfill their elite aspirations, whatever the hell that means. Because then he goes into recent political upheaval has given voice to this unhappiness. I personally am a supporter of a new economic system and the socialist movements that began with Occupy Wall Street. And I'm like, you're just an idiot. This is just gobbledygook. Or whatever you call it. Can't find a reason to be angry? Yes. He's just aimlessly spouting off. But I also recognize the influence of elite overproduction in these movements. An essential part of their genesis was when graduates of the top colleges found themselves unable to get jobs they thought they deserved after the financial crisis. That anger has only spread and intensified since. Well, your mindset's wrong. 
thinking you deserve something. Right. I have the college degree. I deserve this. Have you earned it? But it but it gets back to the fact of you know uh, you know we we talked about it earlier the Matthew uh, Iglesias article because it sort of does relate to it that talked about young liberals are depressed young mm-hmm. conservatives aren't mm-hmm. why well because it's always doomsday but it's also the fact that well you know, think about this when you go to college you be a success that's why college should be free right well, you're not going to be a success just because you go to college no. You can be a horrible failure and go to college. Yep. I I went to college. I, you know, I went to college and I wanted to be in radio. And I, I was in it for nine months, couldn't make any money. And I had to get out and I was working in a machine shop and then a steel plant mm-hmm. for the next four years. Yeah. I wasn't angry. I had a job. It was a new experience. I'm living life. Life brings a lot of different things your way. I viewed it as an opportunity. I wasn't bitter. Number one, I was making more than most of my college friends that were using their degrees. <laughs> but I was still wor- I was working two jobs at that time, too. Because I was told very early, at 14 years of age by my father, you're not going to be able to just get one job and stick with it. You're going to need to be good at three or four different things. When you see this all gets back to the lessons that were taught. When that lesson is taught to you early on, hey, go for your dream, but be good at, and what did my father say? Be good at what you love. Uh, be good at something mechanical. Uh, be good in business. And be good in sales. Prepare yourself for all of those. Yeah. So whatever your fantasy may be, and then those three other things, something technical, hopefully two things technical, and then business and then sales. Well, and he it, said, and, it, you're, you're, you're building out viability yes. in the marketplace, and, and that's what you're looking to do. Because... To way too many individuals, you shouldn't have to prove yourself. I've got the piece of paper. And it doesn't work that way. And then he goes into the creator economy. Creative employment is uniquely valued in our culture, and I've noted an ambient anger about who gets to be part of it. As someone who's able to make a comfortable living as a writer, I often come into contact with people who are resentful Mm. that they haven't been afforded the same opportunity. Mm. I try to remind them that under capitalism, success does not spring simplistically from talent and work ethic. This resentment also exists in film, television, and music. There have never been more people trying to make it professionally through the creation of art and culture, but success remains as elusive as ever. You and I talked about in this business. First 15 years, you better have a second job. Or a third. Or a third. Yeah. Just the reality of it. What does it mean to sacrifice? I've tried for a year. (laughs) A year? 
are you well, talking about? You know, and 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 that's the thing is that I don't know who it is that's filling your head with yeah. these things. What this is is an all-out attack on capitalism. Right. See, the problem with capitalism right. is that it it almost guarantees that you're going to fail. Well, I guarantee you that if you don't try, you'll you'll definitely fail. Well, you tell me what the creator economy is in a socialist society that he believes in. Let's look at socialist, true socialist societies and see where the creative people are and how much creativity they are allowed. Because the elite and the wealthy are very few, and they're all at the top. And I mean very few. See, this is the thing, is that these people want you to believe, a socialist wants you to believe that that is also the case with capitalism. It is not. There is a finite amount of wealth in socialism and communism. And it all belongs to the top and to the government, and they produce everything, and they control all of the capital. And you get what they say you need. You know something? He says, he says I try to remind them that under capitalism, success does not spring simplistically from talent and work ethic. The vast majority of the time, it does. If you practice it long enough... Yeah. You may not be able to work at exactly what you want to work at. I never wanted to do talk radio. This was not my chosen profession at all. I didn't know I was going. I always went into every opportunity. And as I said on the air a couple of weeks ago, if I decided to do something else, I never was bitter. It was always another opportunity and a learning experience. And when I looked at it that way, when I didn't set unreasonable expectations that I must be doing this by this age, and I just said, try something new. It pays good. Okay. They like you know, they, they like it. Okay. Go back to this now. Try this. Do that. I was able to do that. And But for most people, if you have talent and work ethic, you make it. In fact, I don't know anyone I don't know anyone, anyone who I grew up with who had just work ethic. Forget about natural talent up front, because what you find out is you become talented because of your work ethic. Once you do something over and over again, there are very few people that are naturally talented. You know, you talk about the creative process. Talk to any stand-up comedian, how long it took them to get to where they did and how much they had to you know, how much they had to work at it. 20 years and then you can start getting on TV. Yeah, exactly. And and so this is, you know, a lot of this is just, and so I started reading this during the bottom of the hour. I'm like, why am I reading this? He's just, he's a socialist and he's just taking me off. But he writes this, on one hand, the 21st century would seem a strange time for people to feel artistically unfulfilled. After all, none, never in the history of the world has the capacity to create and reach an audience be more readily or cheaply available. The tools and platforms available for creative expression are vast, varied, and largely free to use. Many of these platforms platforms are home to large audiences. And it goes on, you know, to the, the entire thing. And it's like, well, yeah. But if there's a million people doing, the cream still rises to the top. If you can get an audience, yeah, you get it. Mm-hmm. But no, you can also get lost in it because there are, I don't know, 8 billion people on the planet. Are we up to 8 billion now? To reach 8 billion, I, I can't think remember. we're getting close, yeah. Yeah. That's a, lot, that's a lot of people. But if you're open to do anything... All I know is every, and there are some people I know that have gone through hell 
and I'm and I'm talking about and you know you know you know these people that because I've talked about them with you single mothers who have had nothing mm-hmm. single mothers who you know who got you know pregnant out of wedlock parents drug addicts had nothing and made it more than their wildest dreams because they never gave up and what they had they had raw talent it was raw but they had work ethic like you can't imagine and they succeeded to their wildest dreams and are doing no college education in some cases GEDs and have made it to places upper upper management of major corporations and this idea you know because uh yeah there is a there's a wealth of ways that you can make it if you're creative, but this idea of, you know, he's implying here that every artist, any creative endeavor should be rewarded heavily and immediately. It's never been that way, ever. And it won't be that way simply because there are greater numbers, uh, there's a greater number of forums available. It's always been the same thing it's going to be judged and by the way it it just is that's just the way it is you've got mr beast on one end in terms of influencers and and people that can do anything and and put something out and and have it get 10 million 20 million 50 million hits and then you've got somebody else on the other end and and maybe they're doing something you believe is more important more worthy and they don't get a million hits total. Whatever your creative endeavor is, is never going to be rewarded just because you believe it should be. Every bit of it has to be earned. And even then, you can be the greatest at what you do, and you're not going to see the success of others. Ask Ingve Malmsteen. Yeah, but then he get his like four million dollar deal up front way back in the early eighties. That seven record deal. He didn't get Eddie Van Halen's deal, <laughs> and that's my point. <laughs> Not many people get Eddie Van Halen's deal. That's, that's <laughs> do they? <laughs> that's it. Is that you can see? And all of these are creative geniuses in their own right. That was the best comeback ever. <laughs> And, and you can, and there's always the back and, well, he's better. Well, he's better. Uh, It's, they're all great. And you either enjoy it or you don't. And and I don't care. It's what, it's what you, it's, it's what you can sell. That's it. And, 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 and who was the great, and, and who was in, in terms of Van Halen, one of the greatest showmen of all time, David Lee Roth. He sold it at the front of that stage and Eddie and his talent. And and Michael Anthony and Alex brought it together. That's in a, in a commercial venture that was in many ways unparalleled. Right. They they were true musicians, and uh, David he uh, he faked it till people bought it. Yeah. Look, <laughs> he probably would agree with that. <laughs> but he was he was the front man that set the tone that every yeah, other yeah, front man right. out there wanted to be in the eighties. What gets me though is this guy's a socialist talking about the fact of you know oh it just 
uh, that everything that's wrong and everything we should be able to do and everything else, and he believes in socialism, which would destroy everything that he claims the goal of a society should be. Yeah. That's what blows my mind. Right. After all this gobbledygook. What would your and, creative and, freedom and, be in and socialism? Big, right, and big words and everything else. It's like, right. well, you believe in socialism, it would be none of that. Right. It's gone. Right. There's no ability to monetize at that particular and, point. And the eventual communism and single-party system would shut all of it right. down. Go ahead. You valued your opinion? Well, I value mine. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Join the cup. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. We are the elite. We are the happy elite, though. Right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. 